How's it going this morning? I want to especially say Happy Mother's Day to all of the moms out there, all the grandmothers, all the women who have helped mentor and teach and raise kids and, and others in faith and uh, in life. Uh, so glad that you're here today, so glad that you're worshiping with us. Uh, you'll notice that uh, we broke from tradition this year. Uh, we did not give you roses uh, this year. We gave you fans. Uh, and uh, we gave you fans because, just in case, we wanted you to have something uh, in a couple of months when we move back over to the other building. Uh, we're, we're trusting that the air conditioning is going to be fixed, but if it's not, uh, at least all of uh, the women will have something to keep yourselves a little bit cooler uh, than the men. Uh, but really, uh, we do mean to have another thing to We know it's an incredibly important and wonderful day, and so we're so thankful that you've chosen to worship with us today. Uh, we started last week talking about what it means to be a family together. Uh, we're calling this series Family Matters, and Dulcinea is really upset with me. Uh, I saw her face last, last week when I said that this series has nothing to do with the TV show and uh, Urkel. And so I know, I know Dulcinea that you're disappointed that it, it doesn't. But uh, we are a spiritual family, and we believe that, that is incredibly important. And so uh, we're going to spend a couple of weeks talking about some of the things that we do, some of the practices and the things that form us spiritually uh, as a family together. And so last week we talked about uh, those moments... Uh, when we just need a little bit of help, uh, because not all of us are perfect. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, in fact, uh, I would wager that in this room, uh, there is probably not one perfect person uh, here today. And so I'm glad that you're here, because uh, we are together as a group of imperfect people trying our best to follow Jesus and to do all that we can together to encourage each other and inspire each other to live faithfully. Today, we're going to talk about prayer. Uh, and I chose prayer to talk about today because, uh, uh, for me, uh, especially on Mother's Day, what an important reminder. Uh, I grew up in a family where prayer was important. And uh, uh, one of the things that we did as a family regularly together was every night we would gather together either in my sister's bedroom or in my bedroom. And we would all uh, you know, kneel beside the bed, everyone in my family, and we would all pray uh, together as a family. And uh, that was incredibly formative to me. Uh, and I can look back on that and I can remember uh, the moments when my mom would be praying around the bed. And she'd be praying these uh, just really great prayers. Uh, she was so diligent and so faithful uh, uh, to pray. And I have to confess uh, this morning, and my mom's here, so uh, she doesn't know I'm going to say this, but I have to confess. I'm sorry, Mom. They were a little bit long. Uh, <laughs> your prayers were. But I look back on that, and, uh, and those, those moments, uh, praying as a family, praying with, with uh, people that you care uh, most about, that you live with, uh, those were the moments that I look back on with very fond memories. Uh, and I just think, what an incredibly important opportunity for me to, to learn and grow in my faith as a young child. And so together, we as a family, not all of us are our children, obviously, but uh, we have an incredible opportunity every time we gather to pray together, to spend time communing with God and to meet God. And when we do, I hope that what we learn is that we are growing in our faith, that we are learning about who this God is, that we can even connect with God, our parent. Now, uh, I want to tell you a story about a woman named Julian. Uh, Julian uh, lived about 600 years ago, uh, and her name, uh, what she's known by uh, is Julian of Norwich. Uh, she's known by where she came from. Uh, and so Julian of Norwich was an incredibly important person in the life of the Christian story. Uh, Julian of Norwich was one of the uh, spiritual mothers of the church, still is. Uh, and, and even over the course of 600 years, uh, she continues to influence and to help us learn what it means to connect with God and to pray to God. Julian was a little bit unique. Uh, Julian was unlike myself, uh, and maybe unlike you too, because one of the things that Julian sought after was to know God in such an intense way. Uh, she, she sought to know God in a way that, that few others would, would choose. She wanted to know, to know God even through suffering. She wanted to know what it was to, to be with God 
in the midst of suffering. Now, not many of us choose suffering. Uh, our story, the Christian story, has suffering at the heart of it. Uh, and yet not many of us would regularly choose to suffer, especially just, just so that we could connect with God. But Julian noticed something, that throughout history, the men and women who, who seemed to, to connect with God, especially at the time of their death, the martyrs and, and people like that, she noticed that they seemed to have a special relationship, a special connection with God, and she desired to have that as well. And so Julian prayed an audacious prayer. Julian prayed, God, may I know you in suffering. May I know you even to the point of death, but may I live through it so that I can continue to live knowing who you are in the face of such tremendous difficulty. And so, uh, as it happens, Julian fell ill, uh, deathly ill. Uh, even a priest came to her deathbed and, and administered the last rites to her. Everybody thought that Julian was going to die. And as she was on her deathbed, she received a revelation from God. One of the questions that had plagued her all of her life was the question of why God allows evil and suffering. Why does God allow uh, bad things to happen? Why does God not intervene and step in and stop them from happening? And the revelation that she received from God, one of the phrases that comes out of that, one of the phrases that she wrote down with Christians uh, all throughout the world are continuing to be inspired by and continuing to pray her prayer, was these words. It was necessary that there should be sin. It was necessary that there should be suffering. But all shall be well. And all shall be well. And all manner of things. And what Julia learned in that moment was that when she connected with God in that moment on her deathbed was that God was working to restore the world. That yes, sin exists. That yes, God has not intervened in the way that we might like or the way that we might choose. And yet God is still working in this world to bring this creation back to goodness. All shall be well. All shall be well. And all manner of things shall be well. So in prayer, we have an opportunity to learn about who this God is and to learn what God is doing in our midst. We have the opportunity to be formed and shaped and to, to begin to understand that even though things aren't the way that we would have them, that God is still at work and that God is still mighty and that someday all shall be done. So uh, what I want to do for the remainder of our time together today is I, I do want to open up uh, to a passage and read a prayer that comes from Scripture. Uh, and it's going to come from the book of Philippians. If you've got a Bible, you're, you're welcome to turn over to Philippians chapter 1. We'll get there in just a minute. Uh, and, and I want you to know that when I was trying to pick a, a prayer from Scripture uh, for today, for us to kind of study together and talk about, uh, I, I had a lot of difficulty uh, because Scripture is so full of so many amazing prayers, so many great places to turn to. Uh, you know, one of the great places that you can go to to, to read uh, early prayers to God is the Psalms. And, uh, and so I really wanted to, to go to the Psalms, uh, but I chose not to. Uh, but the Psalms are a wonderful place. Uh, I encourage you this week, maybe uh, every day, choose a different Psalm. Uh, and, and there's Psalms for every different season of life, every different imaginative attitude that you can have towards God. Uh, and just read a Psalm and let it be a prayer for you this week. Uh, but I didn't choose a Psalm. Uh, and I thought about, okay, well, uh, maybe, maybe I could uh, go, to, go to Jesus. You know, Jesus taught us how to pray in the Lord's Prayer. Uh, he prayed for his disciples in John chapter 17, uh, great prayers. Uh, and, and I didn't choose any of those. Uh, and then I thought, okay, well, Paul, uh, Paul often prays for his congregations. Uh, he, he prays for, for just about every church that he writes a letter to. So I thought, well, I can, I can go to Paul. I can use one of Paul's things. But then I realized uh, there's a lot of different prayers that Paul has written. And, and, and so I have a, a hard time narrowing it down to pick one thing because uh, there's so many good prayers. And so I encourage you this week 
uh, not only a psalm, but, but somewhere in Scripture, find a prayer uh, and pray that prayer from Scripture uh, this week. Uh, but I chose Philippians chapter 1 for us to pray because it's a prayer that encourages me. And I hope it's a prayer that will encourage you. Uh, and I hope it's a prayer that we can learn about together today and, and uh, be inspired uh, to continue to pray uh, together as we do this. In uh, the book of Philippians, Paul is writing to this congregation when he is in prison. Uh, he's in Ephesus, uh, and he's been in prison, and the Philippian church has sponsored Paul. Uh, in the ancient world, if you were in prison, uh, you didn't get, uh, like, daily meals. Uh, they, they didn't provide those for you. And so somebody had to sponsor you. Somebody had to take care of you while you were in prison. And so the Philippian church has taken on that role for Paul, uh, and they're sponsoring him. They're sending him uh, something like a care package, you know, money, food, things to take care of himself so that uh, while he's in prison, he still is able to live. Uh, and so Paul writes uh, this letter to them while he's in prison uh, and, and while he has nothing. Uh, and, and at the culmination of the letter, at the end of the letter, Paul uh, reveals that he is content in his situation. Uh, he's happy where he is. He's learned how to live with nothing or with everything. And so uh, it's an amazing letter, but at the very start, he's going to say a word of prayer over this ch uh, church in Philippi that, that is sponsored him and that, that is taking care of him. And so uh, from prison, he writes these words. And so let's start reading in Philippians chapter 1, starting in verse 1. For Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus, to all those in Philippi who are God's people in Christ Jesus, along with your supervisors and servants, may the grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. I thank my God every time I mention you in my prayers. I'm thankful for all of you every time I pray, and it's always a prayer full of joy. I'm glad because of the way you've been my partners in the ministry of the gospel from the time you first believed it until now. I'm sure about this. The one who started a good work in you will stay with you to complete the job by the day of Christ Jesus. I have good reason to think this way about all of you because I keep you in my heart. You are all my partners in God's grace, both during my time in prison and in the defense and support of God. God is my witness that I feel affection for all of you with the compassion of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love might become even more and more rich with knowledge and all kinds of insight. I pray this so that you'll be able to decide what really matters, and so that you'll be sincere and blameless on the day of Christ. I pray you will be filled with the fruit of righteousness which comes from Jesus Christ, in order to give glory and praise to God. Amen. Paul, he's a prisoner. Paul has the audacity to write this prayer, this bold prayer. Uh, Paul, at the start of this letter, says that he's a slave. Uh, but not a slave to, to the institution, not, not because he's in prison, but he's a slave to Jesus through the gospel. That the only thing that defines who Paul is, is who Jesus is. And so uh, when we think about this letter, when we think about Paul writing this prayer for this church, one of the things that should stand out to us, one of the things that should strike us as important, is the way that Paul views his relationship with God. Not only his relationship, but the way that he desires for this Philippian church to view their relationship with God. That through anything, through any circumstance, through any situation in life, that they come to know that it is through Jesus that they have their being. They're grounded and rooted in Christ. And so Paul goes on and he begins to explain, you know, I have joy, I'm filled with gratitude because of who you are and what you've done. And he calls them partners, uh, which is a great description. Paul uh, is an evangelist and he's seeking others to, to teach them about Jesus. And the Philippian church becomes his partners in his ministry. They are the ones who are helping him to do this. And then he writes this prayer. Uh, and this is a prayer that, that I really love. It's a prayer uh, that, that I turn to often uh, in Scripture. And it's a prayer uh, where there's at least uh, three or four things that Paul is praying for. And, and we could probably go into much more than that. But I'm going to focus uh, on at least three or four things this morning. Uh, and, and the first is that Paul uh, desires that this church would grow in love. 
uh, that this church would, would come to know what it means to, to have their love grow more and more. And what Paul says is that he wants their, uh, their love to grow in both knowledge and in action. Uh, that, that he wants them to know what it means to, to love. That he wants them to, to understand and to learn what it means to love people in their midst. The people who are uh, with them, who, who, who gather with them, who are different than them. Uh, Paul wants them to know what it means to love. But he also wants them to display it. Just as he's uh, experienced their love from a distance. They've been loving him by sending him and taking care of him uh, food and, and money so that he is well taken care of in prison. And, and Paul wants them to continue that and to go even deeper into it. To learn more and more what it means to love. And then he moves on and he says, uh, the reason that I want you to do this is so that you can choose the things that really matter in life. Which is such a great uh, message for us this morning. To choose the things that really matter in life. And, and the way that Paul talks about this is it's the language of discernment. It's the language of, of understanding what God desires and what God wants for us and what God is choosing uh, on God's own. And, and so that we can then also take and choose those things. That we are, are inhabiting the decisions of God. That we are choosing the same things that God would choose. And so Paul asks uh, this Philippian church, he prays for them. He says, would you grow in the things that are important to you? Would you learn to really uh, choose what matters? And, and then chase after those things. And then Paul moves on again and he says, all this is so that the world can see the fruit of it. Your fruit. The fruit that you're displaying. The fruit that God has given to you display faithfully, so that they can then turn and glorify and praise God. And I really like that Paul kind of puts it in order this way, uh, because a lot of times when, when we want to show the world uh, love or whenever we want people to know that we are, are people of love, uh, because we are people like Jesus, uh, we often uh, ask them to look at the things that we've done, uh, you know, see the fruit of our work. Uh, and, and they're just asking the question, well, are you really a people of love? But Paul says that it, first it's love. And then it's choosing the things that matter, choosing the things that God would choose, and then the fruit is displayed. And so uh, I think about it, you know, in the context that we're in, in our world, uh, when people want to see whether or not we love them, uh, oftentimes we just jump straight into the fruit. We say, well, we have to see it, but they need to see the love first. And then they need to see that we're choosing the things that God is choosing, and then they'll begin to see the fruit from our lives. And so I love that Paul puts that in order for us because it's important for us to, to do each of these things. Uh, it's not just one or the other, but it's all of them working together to become more and more like Christ. So Paul prays this prayer. Uh, he prays that, that they would be a people of love, that they'd be a people of wisdom and discernment, choosing the things that matter, and that they'd be a people uh, that the world can then see their fruit. And so this morning, uh, what I want us to do is to think about the ways that we are inhabiting those things. Uh, when we gather together in, in, in prayer, when we gather together on a Sunday morning like today, uh, how is it that we are learning to love more and more? What, what are we doing to choose the things that God would choose? And what is the fruit of our action? And each of these is an important aspect of what it means to be family together, what it means to, to follow Jesus as a people joined together. And so, you know, think about our church. Uh, think about the stories that you've heard. Think about the people who have influenced you uh, and led you to Jesus. You know, I think about uh, people who love well. And this room is full of people who love well. People who know what it means to love and who then turn around and show that love to others. Uh, I'm sure that there's somebody in this church that has formed you and shaped you, has helped you to, to learn what it means to learn, uh, to grow in love. It's an amazing testimony to the gospel. But it doesn't come there. Because we also have to choose the things that matter. 
We have to choose the things that God would choose. We have to chase after the things that God would have us chase after so that we can make a difference, so that we can begin to inhabit and be the people that God has called us to be. And you look around this room this morning, and this room is full of people who have chosen the things that matter. Full of people who have shown us what it means to be wise and discerning people. And then finally, with fruit. You look around this room, and, and there's a lot of fruit in this room. I don't mean to call you like an apple or an orange, although maybe you're an apple or an orange, but, but there's a lot of fruit in this room. A lot of ways, uh, and in fact, Josh shared with us one way that we've displayed our fruit uh, through helping to, to build a library for kids in Uganda. But there's people in our own city, there are people all over the world who need to continue to see us display the fruit of what it means to follow Jesus. So, we're family, right? And we believe that prayer is an important part of that. We believe that prayer is an important opportunity for us not only to connect with God, but we also think it's an opportunity for us to learn what it means to grow in love uh, and to display wisdom and to display the fruit of our actions. And so this week, especially, as you encounter people in this family, as you encounter others who, who may not have a family, as you maybe uh, you leave here today and you go to call uh, your mom and wish her a happy Mother's Day, maybe the challenge for us today is not only to learn to grow in these things, but to practice them, each and every one of them. Uh, Julian of Norwich, she's an amazing testament to the story of the gospel. The prayer that she prayed over 600 years ago is a prayer that people are still praying today. This world is in a lot uh, of chaos. This world uh, experiences times of suffering and, and pain and, and difficulty. And Paul prays for the Philippian church. Would your love grow? Would your wisdom deepen? And would you show others your faith continue? And perhaps when we do, we can pray the same prayer that you would pray. That all shall be well. And all shall be well. And all manner of faith shall be well. Church, we are a family. And I hope that as we pray together today, as we pray together throughout the week, I hope that we are being formed and shaped into God. I hope that we are connecting with God each time that we do. Here in just a minute, we're going to continue singing together. And as we do, I'd like to invite you to a time of prayer. Uh, we do this every week, uh, but we do it because we believe it matters. Uh, it's not just a routine. It's something that we think that can really change us and maybe even change the world around us. So some of our elders and their wives are going to gather around the room, and we invite you to go and spend some time in prayer with them. And if you'd like to come and visit with me about what it means to follow Christ, to put on Jesus in baptism, I'd love to visit with you about that as well as we stand together.